The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast. Ruthless but fair. Julia Hartley Brewer. Comprehensive coverage of all the new stories that matter to you. Harder, older, Hartley Brewer. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast from Talk Radio. Uh, welcome back to the show. I'm Julia Hartley Brewer. You're with Talk TV. Now, Matt Hancock is right now giving evidence at the COVID inquiry this morning. The former health secretary has faced relentless criticism from former number 10 officials and former ministers and scientists throughout the proceedings so far. Uh, we're hoping to talk to Professor Carol Sakura, someone who's baking out against a lot of what's going on in lockdown uh, throughout that whole period uh, coming up very, very soon. First of all, let's talk to uh, Russell Quirk, who's still with me. Um, and you were someone, again, who's talking an awful lot of sense on this this issue uh, over, the, over the time. Now, it is absolutely fascinating. Um, we've seen this array of uh, these, uh, these, these politicians and scientists and others appearing, giving evidence. Um, we, Matt Hancock, it must be said, um, he's up today and tomorrow. Um, he, he has got what Politico this morning called must answer the murder on the Ex- Orient Express style procession of senior figures who've done him in. Of course, Dominic Cummings calling him a proven liar and apparently telling... Boris Johnson, his then boss, the Prime Minister, to, to sack him. Uh, Helen McNamara, a very senior civil servant, saying he'd say things in meetings that she said that we discover weren't in fact the case. Patrick Vallance, the former chief scientific advisor, saying he had a habit of saying things without evidence to back them up. Simon Case, former head of the NHS, um, talking about him being part of the government's weak team. Uh, we had the mayor of Manchester, Andy Burnham, last week, saying that he knew that tier three restrictions, restrictions imposed on Manchester wouldn't work when he imposed them. Uh, Simon Stevens uh, also... Um, so, no, sorry, so, yeah, Simon Case, sorry, was the, the Cabinet Secretary. Simon Stevens, the head of the NHS, said he wanted to decide who should live and who should die. I mean, pretty damning stuff. But none of that is actually the important stuff because it's about the actual decision-making process. Mm. We've seen Matt Hancock's uh, WhatsApps during this whole period, apart from the month of March 2020, when we went from following pandemic planning, as Sweden went on to carry on to do, to throwing it all up in the air and copying what China had done and locking us down on the si- on a sixpence. Um, do you think we're going to find out anything useful? No, not really. I mean, because look, if Matt Hancock, as you've just outlined, has a tendency to um, uh, fluff the truth, let's say, according to multiple sources and um, uh, this kind of on-off COVID thing as it's kind of played out over the last three years, I suspect he's going to do everything he can over the next two days to cover himself. I mean, he's not going to do anything other than try to deflect blame, which is effectively what the whole COVID inquiry is all about. Yeah. Everybody that has given evidence has tried to deflect blame, blame from themselves, uh, largely towards Boris Johnson, of course, and, and also to Matt Hancock. Um, that said, I mean, if ever there was a case of a politician that was over-promoted, it's mm. Matt Hancock. So, he, was full, he was full of, like, completely, you know, unjustified self-confidence. Well, yes, that's a wonderful way of putting but it. But that's an awful so, lot so, of them. No, I, I, politicians. I suspect... You know, in the next two or three days, uh, we on this channel will be talking about, you know, how much of a spectacle Matt Hancock has made of himself. Some of the things that he will say will both be stupid uh, and also potentially quite revealing. Um, uh, but I'm going to kind of defend him a little now, bit. You see, this is where I'm I am. He's being bit. scapegoated. I have, no, I hold no candle for this man. Well, not but just he, that. He, the idea that it was all Matt Hancock's fault. Everyone has decided. There is even a quote that one of the diaries uh, that was submitted that basically Boris Johnson was keeping around so he had a scapegoat at the COVID inquiry. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, Dominic Cummings, Sadiq Khan, the media, social media can all now say three years later, he did this, she did that, it was his fault and so on. 
it's all very well in hindsight, mm. as is the saying. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, who would want to have been either a chief medical officer yeah. or a senior civil servant oh, yes. or indeed a cabinet secretary or the prime minister at that time, making decisions that were critical to the yeah. country's and health a lot of and future are very financially? Of that, and I understand that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm more forgiving there about no decision-making in, in the early weeks. What I'm not forgiving of is the decision-making when they go, oh, well, we, we didn't bother looking at the cost and benefit analysis. Well, A, that's how all policies should have been made. Yeah. And, you, and, and when you immediately, within a few weeks, saw the cost of your policy, you should have changed your policy. Yeah. They were weak. They were egomaniacs. They, they, got, they, had a, they got a God complex. Yes. And they were, they basically, they, they, we're going to talk to Laura Dodsworth later in the show, who's a brilliant book about how basically we were all basically terrified by deliberate propaganda to terrify us mm. um, at the time. They terrified the nation. They, they, they riled up the media. And then they basically said, oh, but everyone's demanding we close schools, put people in masks and all of that. Um, and, and then they said, well, you know, but we did what the science said. There was no scientific backing for that. Now, what's interesting, of course, we know uh, from what Jenny Harris, who's now charging the Health Security Agency, for goodness sake. She was the Deputy Chief Medical Officer. We know from her evidence over the last couple of days that, that, that for instance, things like there was no evidence for masks. Now, we were told that at the time. We were told that in March uh, uh, and April. There was not a mask mandate until later in the summer mm. in 2020. Now, I went along with the mask mandate at first because I assumed the evidence had changed. Well, they said there was really no know. evidence for them. Yeah, we didn't. No, really no, know. we didn't. No, because I'm not a scientist. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But when the, when the chief scientists say there's no evidence for them, and then idiots are wearing them. I'm like, that's crazy. And then they suddenly said there were as evidence. And you think, that's getting us out and about. I thought, I thought, I think the evidence is probably pretty flimsy because why would it suddenly change that much? They produced no study to show this. But my view was it'll get everyone out of their homes. And if that's what we need to do to get everyone back to a vaguely normal life, get our economy going, get kids in school, then I'll live with it. Yeah. And, and then, and then we, the more and more evidence came in that, of course, that it was just completely made up nonsense. And they were doing it because people thought that masks should work. So that they should work. I see still. I still see people wearing them today. And yeah. by the way, if you have your kid in them, you're a child abuser, and you should have your kid taken away from you. It's as simple as that. And I will yes. always give you a piece of my mind wherever you are. There, when you there do are that. still people but, walking along the street on their yeah. own and in cars on their and own wearing cars. masks. Don't it's even. Hilarious. People who come into this it's building doing it. I mean, I'm sorry. You're you're, you're certified being insane. If you're that concerned, yeah. read up on it. Yeah. But 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 she said that. Now the idea that the whole nation is not up in arms that we were forcibly under threat of fines. And people like me, you know, you're going to lose. I can't break the law. I'd lose my job. Yeah. So under threat of that, we were forced to do something utterly pointless that was bad for us, bad for us socially, bad for us medically to do that. When they knew there was no evidence, yep. same for schools. Our kids were imprisoned in those masks. I will never forgive these beep, beep, beeps, because I cannot say those words on air, but oh my God, I want to, who did this to our children. I'm sorry, I think we need to have a class action. I want these people sued within an inch of their lives yeah. for doing that because you have an excuse when you're not sure. If you know something will not save lives, but it has a harm, and they did harm our children by putting them in masks and harmed us by putting us in masks, taking away people's faces for and, no... And without their any education. Cause, and their education. I, I, it's unforgivable. Mm. And yet they're sitting there talking about, oh, well, he said and you said... I, I, I just... This so, so, so the whole COVID inquiry is not going to get to the bottom of, you know, what happened, why, and importantly, if it ever were to happen again, uh, have we right. learned lessons from it? Because guaranteed, I'm afraid, Julie, if this were to happen again next we'll, year, we'll be the back same in... thing would happen this in is terms why of I do knee-jerk reaction from it. politicians. I'm afraid what happened in 2020-21 was all about self 
preservation. Yep. It was politicians, civil servants, yep. and those that might be in the firing line later thinking, let's cover. overreact regardless of the consequences because yep. I don't want to be blamed for an excess I'll cover death. my back. That's what it was. And again, and we all suffered. Well, apparently Matt Hancock said this morning that his concerns weren't taken seriously until the very end of February 2020. He'd wanted to have a COBRA meeting, an emergency meeting, and that misinformation sometimes spread to the Prime Minister about departments in unhealthy in an unhealthy and toxic culture. He said his department was trying to wake Whitehall up to the threat. Um, and basically, uh, he, he says, look, you know, it's, his department wasn't under par and it wasn't a mess. So he's basically coming out fighting, defending himself uh, against sort of, sort of all comers. Um, and, and the thing is, everyone is going to sort of be able to point to something saying... Oh, so he's the good guy, is he? He's yeah, the good guy and his good, good intentions were blocked. He's the good guy who put a load of elderly patients with COVID into care yeah. homes. Thank you for having me. Thank you Very for generous of you to say that Matt Hancock's giving evidence at the inquiry, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll come to that. And I must say, Russell Quirk is still with me in the studio. I know he wanted to put his tuppence worth in as well. Um, let's just play a couple of little clips of what Matt Hancock has to say. And we'll talk a little about what other people said about him. But I do want to get to rather more nitty-gritty stuff that does uh, actually matter. Because it is extraordinary, the criticism that Matt Hancock uh, has come under uh, from, I mean, God, and neither of us hold a candle for him. But if you go through all the different criticisms, he's had Dominic Cummings called him a proven liar. Helen McNamara is a former senior cabinet officer, minister, cabinet minister, sorry, cabinet secretary. She said um, he'd say things in meetings that we discover weren't in fact the case. Sir Patrick Vallance said he had a habit of saying things without evidence to back them up. Simon Case, uh, the cabinet secretary, uh, said he was part of the government's weak team. Uh, Simon Stevens, the former NHS chief, said he wanted to decide who should live and who should die. He's accused of over-promising. I mean, they've really been very critical. It's quite clear that everyone, scientists, ministers, the advisors, have all decided that Matt Hancock is going to be the scapegoat in all of this. This is what Matt Hancock has had to say about his attempts to, as he say, wake up Whitehall earlier on in the pandemic. From the middle of January, uh, we were trying to effectively raise the alarm. Um, we were trying to wake up Whitehall to the scale of the problem. Um, and this was a problem that couldn't be addressed only from the health department. Um, he also was saying that the government's COVID plans weren't adequate. Here's what he said about that. I take issue with absence of a plan. There wasn't an absence of a plan. There were plans. Uh, they were... I've critiqued the plans. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Uh, I've said that they weren't adequate, but there were uh, plans in place. 
Well, I mean, yeah, there were plans in place. They were the pre-pandemic planning, which didn't involve, by the way, Laura Dodsworth, uh, locking us down. What do you make of, of what Matt Hancock has said today and indeed the questions asked of him and, and other uh, uh, witnesses giving evidence to the COVID inquiry over recent weeks? Oh, my goodness. How long have you got? <laughs> Where do we start? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think this scapegoating of, um, <laughs> scapegoating of Matt Hancock is entirely predictable. He was always going to be the weak link that would be blamed for everything at the end. But I don't really want to get caught up in the weeds of all of the abuse that they're hurling at yep. each other because it's still to ignore the main questions that the inquiry isn't asking. So he's saying he wanted earlier action. I know you'll agree with me, Julia, that the main question that the inquiry is failing to ask is, did lockdowns work? One report published by the IEA found that potentially only 1,700 lives were saved in England and Wales by locking down. Now, the NHS normally applies something called a quality, quality adjusted life year, and the upper limit for that would be £30,000. Let's think about what was spent on lockdown and how much that would equate to for 1,700 lives. It is insane. Mm. At the moment, I think that we're still seeing a lot of the illusion of control. People who enacted the policies want to believe that they worked. This inquiry yeah. has got a pre-baked outcome that lockdowns worked, and it's just a question of when the levers were applied. If we don't answer this in question, the lockdown, if we don't answer this question, the lockdown's entirely failed. It's not the only question that the lockdown's failing to ask. Why did we rely on modelling? Yeah. which was so flawed. And we relied I mean, on modelling, but, but Laura, not just at the beginning. You think, OK, you're relying on modelling. I mean, you could give some sort of excuse for that before, you know, as the pandemic just starts. But they were still using modelling, uh, you know, six months in, a year in, two years in, when you already had real-world evidence. And that, that's what happened mm. December 21 when we had the Omicron variant, when the, they, they were still saying, oh, everyone's going to die, if we, like they are in South Africa, even though, of course, people weren't dying en masse in South Africa. Uh, due to this, this new variant, um, in, if we didn't lock down in December 2021. And we didn't lock down. People carried on life fairly sensibly as normal. And what a surprise. Those models turned out well, not to be true. I think you're being a little bit too generous. I'm going to give you three reasons why we shouldn't have relied on lockdown uh, on okay. modelling to lockdown from the beginning. First is the World Health Organisation report in 2019 recommends against using modelling because it is flimsy and not evidence-based. We relied upon modelling, which came from um, work led by Professor Neil Ferguson from Imperial. Now, let's not forget that his previous modelling predicted that up to 200 million people would die from bird flu worldwide, yeah. when less than 500 people died. Also, the modelling didn't take into account the spread of COVID in hospitals, care homes and prisons. Yeah. Now, considering that something like 40% of those deaths in the early days came from care home residents, and something like two thirds of serious illness was spread through um, infection hospitals. That was huge. That was a huge omission. So we shouldn't have relied on modelling from the outset. Robert Dingwall, Professor Robert Dingwall, has been very clear on this. The government lent too heavily on modelling and not enough on generalists from people with um, from people with experience yes. in this kind of and, and in the this people, kind of work. The people who would have been involved in pandemic planning. And this is the thing we're constantly told. I mean, the, the narrative is well, of course you would lock down. Obviously, that's what one would do. You're crazy. I mean, you and I, people like us, campaigning against this. You rather earlier than me. I have. To to say in 2020, um, that, that, that we're, we're, the, we're, the, we're just granny killers, that's all we are. Um, but that Sweden did this extraordinary experiment of, of not locking down. Mm. When that's turning 
that's literally turning facts on its head. That's, that, that's not, that, this is not an opinion. This is a matter of fact. No country's pre-pandemic planning in the Western world, and I think even in China's, had ever envisaged a lockdown. Lockdown was never discussed by SAGE. We know what they discussed. It's in the minutes. They never discussed it. Why? Because, of course, you didn't lock down, because, of course, it wouldn't save lives, because, as we were told by the uh, Valance and Witty at those press conferences, you, you cannot stop a virus. That's just not, it's just, that's just not how viruses work. So they, yes. what Sweden did was follow pre-pandemic planning. And, and, and we mm. are, the rest of the world are the ones who conducted an experiment. And we know from the outcomes, long-term excess deaths of the cost and benefit analysis of all causes, it is quite clear that Sweden did the right thing and we did the wrong thing. And yet, it appears that no scientists involved in this planning, no politicians, no aides, um, none of the civil servants, uh, none of the media who called for these lockdowns, none of them are even open to even asking that question. They still think that you and I are conspiracy theorists. Why? Well, I mean, absolutely. The, the World Health Organization was very clear that any sort of non-pharmaceutical intervention, including lockdown, doesn't stop infections. It spreads them out over a longer period of time. That was well understood. Um, I think that it was Chris Whitty and Patrick Valance also referred to this in the very early days. You can't stop a virus. Governments cannot turn viruses on and off like a tap. Mm -hmm. You can just spread out the infections over a longer period of time. As you say, Sweden is is the case study. But you mentioned cost-benefit analysis. Now, if a government does decide to apply a lockdown, it's its duty to conduct a cost-benefit analysis. There was no cost-benefit analysis, not until November 2020. And it didn't actually quantify any of the effects yeah. of the lockdown. So it was it was something like a, something that a sixth form student would produce. It was, it was an embarrassing piece of work from a government. Uh, I'm happy to say that. It really was terrible cost-benefit analysis. It's only now in the aftermath that we're really getting to grips with it. It's been a huge global policy failure. And it's just devastating that this lockdown won't address it. So far this morning, Matt Hancock's been ask the wrong questions and giving the wrong answers. For instance, you know, why was there not more wide-scale testing? Let's let's question another um, piece of the dogma. There was never any evidence for large-scale testing. When they tested people, the PCR test is not, it's not designed to find out if you're ill from COVID. It cannot distinguish between somebody who is pre-symptomatic, convalescent, um, contagious or a full, an erroneous false positive. It was a terrible idea to throw £37 billion down the drain. Yeah. Are they interrogating that? No. no. They're asking why they didn't do more of it and earlier. And also, bearing in mind, we, we I think, was one other country that, that tested on the same sort of scale other than China. And we've got no better results having, having done more of it. There's also, I mean, earlier in the week, Jane Jenny Harries, who is now the, by the way, it's not like she's nobody now. She was our deputy chief medical officer in England. She's now the head of the UK Health Security Agency. So we'll play a role in future, um, in future pandemic planning and future pandemic policy. She made it very clear in her evidence. She, she, she told the COVID inquiry the government advice on wearing masks was was ineffective. Um, like this whole using two pieces of cloth and that not that stuff. But her her own her own you know reports at the same time you know when they were making these decisions was quite clear. There was no evidence that masks would make any difference. They put them on not only us adults on trans public transport in supermarkets. Many people having to wear them for sort of ten hours a day at work. Um, I oh God I hated every second and uh, when I, I then I got my then I declared that I was it would be a mental health problem for myself to have to wear one because I was too sane to wear one because the evidence wasn't there. Um, but they put our kids in them, which I think is still unforgivable. They knew there was no evidence. They even put, we know from the, the, the stuff that's come out 
so far that basically they, they put the kids in them for eight hours a day because, well, because Nicola Sturgeon had done it in Scotland. They didn't want the political row. They knew there was no evidence. They did it anyway. People are still wearing them now who still think they're saving their, their loved ones' lives or their own lives by wearing them. This is a complete con and a complete lie. I am still stunned by how angry people are not about being absolutely blatantly lied to, forced to cover their faces for no reason whatsoever. Not only did it not save a single life, it has damaged our children irrevocably. I think it's damaged our society irrevocably as well. Why are people not more angry about this? Or why are people not, you know, frankly, demanding a full-scale apology for this? I am so glad to hear you use the word lie because we need to be very clear about this. The UK government, the public health authorities, police, schools, everybody lied about the effectiveness of masks. We're in this astonishing gaslighting phase of the inquiry. I I'm smiling because otherwise I'd be bashing my head against the desk right now rather than speaking to you. Yes, Dame Jenny Harris has admitted that there was never good evidence for face masks. I mean, there was this embarrassing advice on the government website about how to make yeah. your own mask out of cloth. Yeah. What absolute tosh and nonsense. The Cochrane Review, even now, which is, and it's the gold standard in evidence-based yeah. medicine, is very clear that there was no good evidence for masks. You know, there was one study that came out during the pandemic that analysed the bacteria, fungus and pathogenic microbes in cloth masks. Yeah. And yet this was mandated in the summer of 2020 throughout England, Scotland, Wales at different times. Masks were mandated on transport and in shops. And you must understand the government knew it didn't work. They knew. This the so thing, why did they do it? It is, it Two is reasons. It still blows my mind that people are just sort of shrug and want to move on. I, I'm not moving on until people admit they did wrong because, you know, because as we know, they're going to do it to us again. Uh, Laura Dodsworth, I so appreciate you joining us. You've been absolutely magnificent. Your book, A State of Fear, How the UK Government Weaponised Fear During the COVID-19 Pandemic is such an important book. Um, and, and I know you've also written Free Your Mind, the must-read expert guide on how to identify techniques to influence you and how to resist them. They played with us during that time and we need to be aware of it. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast. Ruthless but fair. Julia Hartley Brewer. Comprehensive coverage of all the new stories that matter to you. Harder, older, Hartley Brewer. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast from Talk Radio.